Hey, welcome to another episode of Ugo's Take, and today is the Ugo's Take Football Show. Today, I'll be um, giving my reaction, my take on events that have happened in the past week um, in the world of football. First off, I'll be giving my reaction to the Champions League draw uh, that just happened um, this past week. I'm looking at the groups and giving my own predictions on the teams that would uh, qualify from those groups that will progress to the next stage. After that, we'll be also looking at um, some news items that have, uh, have made uh, the news, so to speak, um, this past week as well, uh, with the move off, with the invite of Bukoya, Bukoya Saka, you know, the um, Arsenal winger to the, f- the first... Uh, He's been given his first call up to the English national side, to the senior team, the, the three alliance. So we'll be looking at um, what does that mean? You know, is it a good move for him to to take, um, given the um, talent that exists at the moment in his position, especially with superstars like Jaden Sancho playing in those positions because he's a wide um, attacking player. Except he'll be deployed to wing back. Let's see. Let's see what happens because that's what we'll be looking at. Um, this um, looking at in today's episode. Also, just um, scan through some transfers has also happened. This um, this transfer uh, window uh, will be closing very shortly. We'll look at some teams, not all the teams anyway, but we'll look at some teams that have actually done some business um, this weekend. And lastly, I'll be giving some my prediction on the games that we played this season. Um, and not that we played this weekend, give my predictions as to who would win, as to what the results would, would be. I may be wrong, but that my that would just be my own take, my own opinion on on the results. And let's see what happens. So let's dive straight into it now today. Uh, so firstly, talking about uh, Bukoyo Saka's invitation to um, the three alliance of the English uh, first team. The English national team. Now, um, well and good. He feels confident in himself. That's no problem. He's good to go. But just like I would always say, whether you've been signed up by a club or you're a player with dual nationalities and you really want to progress your career, what, when making such decisions, you take into consideration who plays in your position. You know, you look at not just their ability, you look at their age as well. You know, Bukoyo Saka, his favorite position is as a winger. And right now at the moment, I don't think England, the English national team is lacking in wingers at the moment. And you have Jason Sancho. Jason Sancho is a big monster, <laughs> you know, in the English national team. So if you're... Uh, being called up to the English national team and you play as a wide attacking player, um, you should be a bit cautious. Uh, um, I know people would say he's uh, every player should believe in themselves, believe in their own ability, and I share the same sentiment. But sometimes you have to be smart about it. You know, I would have rather preferred him go to the U20 side as for the English national team and keep playing so he has his options open. Um, because I know many Nigerian fans will be heartbroken by the fact that Bukoyo Saka is, um, ha- has been invited to the national side and he has accepted the invitation. Um, 
I guess what um, I would like to say at this point is that probably he would have also considered Nigeria, the Nigerian national team, seeing that um, the Nigerian national team handlers, you know, like uh, by the coach, Gennett Raw, he's um, shown this, you know, propensity to invite players, you know, with one nationality, whether it be they from Germany or England. And he's actually used them, given them game time, like Jari Ball, you know, um, that plays for Rangers, uh, Glasgow Rangers. And he's been playing, you know. He's been playing. He's been phenomenal for the Super Eagles of Nigeria. So I would have thought that he would have given that a go. But all the best. I wish uh, Bukoyo Sakat all the best, you know, because um, he's a pretty talented player. So I'm thinking he's going to be really, really great at the end of the day. So... That's no problem, but I would have thought it would have been too early, especially for the English national side, and you don't want to get tied up or not cup tied down, but cap tied rather, and then you get in and there's no way out for you and your international career is non-existent because you have players that are way, way ahead of you and not just way, way ahead of you, but really, really young as well. Because Sancho, it's really young, really, really young. So, uh, you're not going to dislodge him anytime soon. And let's face it, Sancho is a much, much better player than Saka or than any winger that uh, my that sorry that English uh, the English national team can call upon at this moment. So, if you're going up uh, to play in that position, you should just understand that you'll be on the bench, or you may not even be called up. So. That's it, but fair dues to him. Wish him all the best um, playing for the English national side. Uh, I think it's for the National League games. He'll be playing against Denmark and Belgium. So hopefully he gets um, um, some game time there and prove to the English um, handlers, who to Gareth Salgate, that he's really, really a good talent. Um, so let's see how that goes. So that's it with um, the Bukoyo Saka. Uh, a story that's my opinion on it. I've given my that's my own take on it. You should have waited a bit, but I'm sure he knows best. He has advisors around him, and um, he be- I'm, I'm happy he believes in his talent because you want a player that believes in his ability, that's confident that he'll be able to uh, deliver uh, on the big stage. And the English national team is one of the biggest stages, let's face it, because they have many of the best players at this moment in world football. So, let's see how that goes. Now, uh, we move on to transfers. You know, some transfers that have um, uh, made the rounds this uh, that made the rounds this weekend, this week, going on to this weekend. Um, Ryan Brewster, um, the Liverpool youngster, has signed for Sheffield United. He was signed for some of twenty-three point five million pounds. I think that's correct. If my information is correct, it was, it was, I know that's pretty much old news now. 23.5 million percent pounds. So the question is, is it a good move for him? We'll look at it from two perspectives. First, it's a good move leaving Liverpool because despite the fact that Liverpool are a great side, you know, and they're looking in good form again this season. The question is, can he break in to that front three? And 
you have to consider the dynamic of the Liverpool front three. You don't have two out-and-out wingers that supply um, passes for a central striker to score. What you have is you have two wide players that cut in to create goals and score goals themselves. And then the supposed number nine is expected to put pressure on the defense. He's the kickstart for the high press of Liverpool. That's what uh, Roberto Firmino does at the moment for Liverpool. And you can, and it doesn't really favor an out and out lone striker, which is what Brewster is from the games I've seen him play for Swansea. You know, I saw him play in the Under-17 World Cup some years ago. He's a goal scorer. He's be around the box. He has pace, but he's ultimately a goal scorer. You know, an out-and-out goal scorer. So I don't think he would have really been able to fit into Liverpool's uh, starting lineup or even break into Liverpool's starting lineup because he's not because he's um, not a good player. He is a good player, but he just doesn't suit his style of play. Doesn't suit the style of play of Liverpool at the moment. So it's a good move for him leaving Liverpool. Now the question is. Would Sheffield United be a good move for him? Then moving to Sheffield United, would that be a good move for him? Okay, let's look at it this way. Um, a team like Sheffield United, to be fair, spending 20 plus million on a player, they show one the player to play. They want the player to play. You know, because despite the fact that you have TV rights, you know, collective bargaining agreement in the Premier League and you have lots of money flowing to Premier League clubs, but they still have to pay other staff, their other players, and they don't have um, a huge benefactor like you have with Liverpool. Liverpool sometimes try to act like they don't have benefactors. They do have multi-billion billionaires as owners, you know, Man City or a team like Man City that has... Um, almost like a state backing them as well or a Chelsea that has a billionaire backing them you know that can inject funds from time to time you know of course giving credence or abiding by the rules of financial fair play regulations but Sheffield United doesn't have that kind of external backing so they have to work with what they earn and let's not forget They've just they gained prem, uh, promotion to Premier League just this past season, you know. They just came into Premiership after so years years away. This past season, they've done well, finishing the top half of the table, I think. So, the my point being, he would play. He would have to play. You know, he would have to play because you can't. A club like Sheffield United can't spend that amount of money on a, on a player and not play him. So, he gets to play. And also, from the way Sheffield United play, I think they'll be looking for a goal scorer. Someone to put the ball in the back of the net. And I think he'll be able to do that. But the question remains... Well, the question remains, what happens? Because, you know, most of the time... Sheffield United will be coming against teams that will have the ball 
for a last percentage of the game. And they mainly require that out ball, you know, where you need a striker who's at least 6 1, 6 2, 6 3, that will hold up the ball and bring everyone else into play. And you already have Mark Burney, you know, who had a decent season uh, um, last season, should I say. So, but for me, ultimately, it's easier, obviously, for uh, Ryan Brewster to break into the Sheffield United starting lineup as opposed to the Liverpool front three, not just because of his ability, but because of the way that they play. So, good luck to the young lad. And um, hopefully we see we see him bringing his talent to bear in the coming fixtures. So, that's, that's, my, own t- that's my take for... Uh, with respect to the Ryan Bruce to move to um, Sheffield United. Now, um, finally, looking one other transfer I'll be looking at. I'll be looking at the move of for final the uh, defender signed from Set Etienne that for thirty-six million pounds by Leicester City. And I don't, to be honest, I don't know much about the player, but he made his debut last. That was the last season on 2019. I think he made his debut in the French Cup. So um, I don't know so much about him. Looking forward to seeing what he has to bring to the table. And hoping he has a good performance for Leicester. And once again, Leicester <laughs> pays £36 million for a player who definitely give the player game time. Definitely give the player game time. That's for sure. So Next, I'll be looking at the draws, the Champions League draws that just happened. The Champions League draws that just um, happened, were just concluded this past week. So, where um, the Drogba, as part of uh, the whole ceremony, was awarded the President's Award. And there's no better person to have won that because of what he's done, what he's done for football in general, not just his performances on the pitch, but also his performances off the pitch and things he's done for philanthropic gestures, he's done helping to stop I mean, to stop a war, a civil war in Ivory Coast and bringing helping to fund the building of schools, hospitals and bringing good amenities, social amenities to um, Ivory Coast. So excellent, there's no better person to have one to have won this so good to him so let's now look at the Champions League draws to conclude it groups have been named and teams have been placed in those groups so I'll just give my opinion on who I think would progress in these groups now first group A we have the holders Bayern Munich Atletico Madrid RB Salzburg Locomotive Moscova. So the two names that spring up immediately are, of course, Bayern, Bayern Munich, they're the holders, and probably the win, not probably, the most certainly would win, except lightning strikes. <laughs> you know, they probably would win the uh, German Bundesliga this season. So, yet again, yet again. So um, I think they'll easily, quite easily progress from that group. And Atletico Madrid with the signing of Suarez and already already have um, Jao Felix there. 
and you have a coach like Diego Simeone, who of course doesn't give anything away. You know, he's one of the few coaches that still relies on a strong, rugged defense. So I think maybe they lose a game to Bayern away, draw a game at home, and then they demolish the other teams. Due respect to the, to those teams, to uh, Red Bull Salzburg and um, Lokomotiv Moscow. So, due respect to them, but I think they will be battling for the third spot that will see them going to the Europa League. So, progressing out of this group, Bayern Munich as group winners and Atletico Madrid as um, the runners-up. Now, we'll go to Group B. We have Real Madrid. Shakhtar Donetsk, Inter Milan, and Borussia Mönchengladbach. So, once again, this group, the name that jumps out to you is Real Madrid. Real Madrid should, I say should, qualify as group leaders, as group winners. But, this season hasn't started very well for um, the the Madrid side. Though they they won their last game, I think 1-0. You know, it hasn't started very well for them. But I feel as the season continues to progress, you know, they would improve. And then looking at the opposition here, um, the only team that's, that looks like it would be um, kind of tough or difficult for Real Madrid is Inter Milan. Because they still have Lautaro Martinez up front with Romelu Lukaku as well. And then... There's Conte as well, the Conte effect. He, he knows how to set his teams up to play on the break and really um, frustrate teams as well while trying to score uh, many goals, as Chelsea fans would recall um, during his time at the club. So, so that's it for Group B. And then going to Group C, you have FC Porto, you have Man City, you have Olympic. Uh, uh, you have Olympiacos and you have Olympic Marseille. Mm, this is an interesting group. I think Man City would win it, would qualify. Then, second spot would be between Porto, Olympiacos and Marseille. You would think, you think Porto should shade, shade it, but I still have a feeling that maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's going to be difficult. Like Marseille would make could make it really difficult for Porto. You know, same thing. Olympic Marseille would make it really difficult as well for um, Porto. So, in my opinion, I may be wrong. I might really be wrong, but I think it is going to have to be a toss-up between these three guys. Uh, I think it's going to be a toss-up between these um, three teams. Um, okay, now we're moving on to Group D. That's Liverpool, Ajax, Atlanta, and Midland. Now for me, <laughs> Liverpool. There's no price for guessing who would win this group. That's Liverpool. Uh, I know that some folks have said Ajax is a good attack inside. Atlanta... A good attacking side, play high press, score so many lots of goals. Midland 
trying to play like Liverpool, high press and all. But if you have four teams that play in a similar fashion, who would you go for? You go for the team. You go for the team that has the better players. You go for the team that has the better players and that's Liverpool. So I explain high press attacking game that comes right into the way Liverpool like to play. And Sane, Salah, Firmino, and of course Wayne Dolom in the midfield would press would press the life out of Ajax. Sorry, that's why that's why you're still. Uh, because going up against Liverpool to play high-press football for the neutral is going to be a good watch. It's going to be nice. You're going to see um, quick attacking play, attacking football. But for the teams, who's going to be the actual winner? It's going to be Liverpool. Liverpool win the group. And then I think it's going to be a toss-up with Ajax, between Ajax and Atlanta, I don't really give Midland any chance with due respect to them because getting the Champions League is not easy, not an easy feat. But I um, give, I give, I give the toss up. I say it's a toss up between Ajax and Atlanta and Liverpool winning the group outright. It could almost be a perfect finish, except maybe there's an upset which you can never rule out in football, but. I give it to um, Liverpool. So Group E, we've got Sevilla, Chelsea, Krasnodar, and Ron. Now, Chelsea has no excuse right now. <laughs> With respect to this group, Chelsea has no excuse. There's no, Chelsea can say, "Oh, we, no, no. This group is a group Chelsea should win. With the money they have spent this season, boy, if Chelsea fails to qualify this season for the Champions League from this group, <laughs> heads will surely roll because because they've spent a lot of money this, this season, even with the COVID and everything in place. Teams have been a bit um, tepid in their spending. Chelsea has blown teams out of the water with respect to their spending. You know, they've spent well over 200 million pounds and who knows if they're able to get Declan Rice that would even push their spending even higher because that's what the rumours are about going on in the football world this um, past week that Chelsea may be looking at signing Declan Rice before the window shot. So if they sign Declan Rice, that means it would actually push their transfer spending even higher. So Chelsea has no excuse. It would be a mild upset a little more than a mild upset, I'd say, if Chelsea doesn't win this group, Chelsea doesn't qualify top of this group, it would be slightly more than a mild upset. But maybe the owners would say, okay, you qualified still. But if Chelsea doesn't qualify out of this group, boy, 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 heads would roll. And I think, legend or no, Lampard may go. That's what I just think. Now, um, I'm not anti-Chelsea. I mean, in fact, I'm a Chelsea fan and I want Chelsea to do well. But if Chelsea doesn't get out of this group, I think heads would roll. And it could be Mr. Frank Lampard. I'm sorry. Because this group is just too easy. 
you know, on the face of it, because the only team that on the face of it seems like it seems like a threat is Sevilla. And Sevilla in the past seasons haven't been too good in the Champions League. But when they get into the Europa League, they're almost like they're almost like um, monsters. Let's put it this way. In the Champions League, Sevilla are like puppies. But when they get to the Europa League, they're like lions, like full-blown adult lions with men and all in the Europa League. So, they're the only team that look like they can give Chelsea a threat. They can be a threat to Chelsea this season in the Champions League. You know, but Krasnodar, Ren, Renwood, I know we have uh, Kamavinga. He's a very talented, excellent player, but he's just a central midfielder. And he can do it all on his own. They may have some talented players as well. The talented players as well at the, at the club. But with the spending Chelsea has made, you've got Kai Havertz, you've got Timo Werner, you've got um, Hakim Zaich, Zaich, you've got Pulisic already there. You've, you've got all these players. So, plus Frank Lampard has got the goalkeeper he's always wanted. He's got Mendy, Edward Mendy, standing between the sticks. You you can't fail to qualify for this group. No, you you just can't. You just can't. You just can't. So, I'm saying Chelsea qualifies from this group as group winners, and Sevilla to jump over the Champions League hoodoo and make it to the next round as the group runners up so we go into group f and group f is it's a group that mm, apart from dortmund every other team feels kind of in the same category sort of you know there's dortmund yeah you've got the attacking flair you've got ellen harland you've got Jaden sancho that i mentioned a few a few moments ago Certainly, you know, they are the favorites in this group. Then maybe Lazio with Shiro Immobile. Maybe, you know, and he may have something to prove to Dortmund. You know, he was at Dortmund at some point and he didn't have the best of seasons playing for Dortmund. So, he may have something to prove to Dortmund. But um, looking at the overall quality of the team... Of the teams in this group, I would say Dortmund qualify as group winners. Uh, it just has to be a battle for second spot between these three teams because I think that all on similar levels. Maybe Club Bruges is somewhat lower, but it has to it has to it has to be a tough fight between these three sides. So, so I'm saying Dortmund for sure. And if I have to stick my neck out as to the runner-up, I would say Lazio. Lazio would be uh, the runner-up for uh, this group. Qualify as runner-up out of this group. And Group G. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm sure so many people have been praying for this ever since um, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo left um, the Spanish La Liga, left Real Madrid to join the old lady Juventus. Um... Liverpool would have been praying for this with Messi still uh, uh, at Barcelona 
and you know the super cup you don't have that rivalry you don't have cristiano versus messi with the super cup you just have messi do what he does at um real madrid so we have this again i'm sure tv rights uh, um TV right um, purchasers, food that want to acquire TV rights, would go crazy for this group because the marketing for this group, for the first group game between Juventus and Barcelona, will be out of this world. I say so. As to who qualify out of this group, who progress out of this group, huh? yeah, maybe Dynamo Kiev would top the group. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so we're looking at. Um, I'll pick. I'll still pick um, Juventus to top the group uh, because I feel though Barcelona have had a decent start this season, they still have some question marks around their uh, defending. Everything isn't perfect at this point in time. So I'm saying Juventus would qualify as group winners and Barcelona would uh, finish as second uh, as runners, runners up in this group. So. Let's see how it goes. Yet again, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, and Barcelona does it, or whatever Kiev does it. So, seriously, I'm picking Juventus, Juventus to top the group, and Barcelona to finish as group runners up, and Dynamo Kiev finishing third to um, move into the Europa League. So that's my call for group for Group G. Now we move on to Group H. So we have Paris Saint Germain. We have Manchester United, we have RB Leipzig, and we have Inst- Istanbul Bakasheya. I hope I certainly know I butchered the name. Apologies, please. I know I butchered the name. So many people have been saying it'll be a walk in the park for PSG. I mean, PSG will top the group, and then no one knows what will happen next. Or it's a top group for Man United. I don't see that way because uh, I um, I feel Paris Saint-Germain PSG would top the group but I feel Manchester United has a strong case to say they would finish second and even saying PSG would finish top of the group we all know the way things go with PSG when you expect them to really dominate take charge they end up just blowing their lines you know just disappointing you when you think oh PSG yeah they're gonna do it they're gonna dominate you know because I know they qualified for the Champions League final you know which is great and you should expect with the players they have Kylian Mbappe Neymar Di- uh, Angel Di Maria they should you know top this group but you still have that if about PSG. What if they wake up on the wrong side of their collective beds? What happens? Because they've shown it time and time again. And if we're going back to the home and away version of of um, the Champions League, it could be really tough for PSG. But I still think that PSG would qualify as group winners from this group, despite um, their shortcomings. Sometimes, when you expect them to come up tops, they just go missing. But I still think they are good enough and strong enough to top this group. And RB Leipzig, I know they had a really good run in the Champions League. But I just feel it's one of those things where 
it's one of those things where the the team a team has a phenomenal season and that's it you know um just like you had fc Porto under jose Mourinho had a phenomenal run went to the champion won europa the uh, europa league you know and then went on and then went on the very next season to win the UEFA Champions League. You know, to win the UEFA to win the UEFA Champions League. You know, so you, and after that season they have been nowhere, nowhere near finishing in the top. <laughs> when it comes to Champions League, they've been no I don't think they've made it have they made it to a semi-final after that season no they haven't so that could just be the same thing for RB Leipzig and I just feel my United would be very disappointed if they don't make it to the next round so I go for PSG at top in the group and then my United finishing as group as runners up in the group so that's my prediction for UEFA for UEFA um, Champions League as my predictions for the groups, and now we're going on to prediction for this weekend's fixtures. Now I've got a nice little note here, which I'm going to hide on how it's going to go. Now we'll start with the first game for the weekend, the game that begins the fixtures. For this weekend, um, and that I would call that's Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. So I'm calling it two-one. Though Chelsea's at home, but Chelsea has shown this season that despite their spending, maybe is gelling problems, settling down issues, or tactical issues, or motivational issues. I don't know what's happening with Chelsea, but Chelsea has shown this season that they can't keep clean sheets, unfortunately. So, and Crystal Palace have started fairly okay this season, really good. They won the two, two of their last three games in the Premier League. So, I'm going for Crystal Palace. No, I'm going for Chelsea have scoring two goals because they have better attacking players and Crystal Palace managing to score one goal. So, I'm going for Chelsea win, just two goals to one. And then, for the other fixtures, I'm just going through them. I'm not going through them chronologically. So, I'll just call bother all fixtures between today and tomorrow. So, I'm going for Newcastle United versus Burnley. Um, at St. James Park. I'll be going for 1-1, 1-1 draw. And there's Arsenal versus Sheffield United. I'll be going for Arsenal 4. Sheffield United won because Arsenal has really started this season very well under Mikel Arteta. You know, I just have to say, say this had a good start to the season. You know, though they lost their last game, I think, to uh, Liverpool. Uh, but they started this season really well. They went on to beat Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. Though via penalties to knock Liverpool out of the Carabao Cup. A win in the Cup game is a win. That's all that matters in the Cup game. And Arsenal of last season would have lost that game. 
there's no doubt about that. They would have most certainly lost the game. Now we go into Leicester, West Ham. West Ham haven't had the best of starts to this season. And I'm thinking West, West Ham will get a pumping this season This in this fixture. So I'm going for Leicester 3 and West Ham nil. And I'm even going to stick my neck out even further to say Jimmy Vardy will score a hat-trick. That, so that's it. That's my prediction. West Ham shocked me. Now we're going to West Southampton versus West Brom. And now I know from um, la- the last uh, fixtures between that's uh, the game between Chelsea and West Brom, where West Brom took a first half 3 0 lead, only to to lose it at really to Chelsea 3 3, which was you know in which is in hindsight a good result for West Brom because if you had offered um, West Brom a point against Chelsea, they would have snatched your hands off. But I think Southampton would win because sometimes Chelsea has a way of performing. Some teams perform very well against top teams like Chelsea and then go on to have bad performances all through the season. And I think West Brom will be one of those sides this season, I think. Sorry, West, West Brom fans. Uh, your side is, would lose this game. That is my humble opinion. Maybe they, they shock me and they go on to serve me humble pies and smash uh, Southampton three goals to one. But my prediction is Southampton two, West Brom one. Now, Wolves Fulham. Woohoo! Uh, this is a walk in the park. A stroll in the park. This is your holding your dog by the leash. You're enjoying the sun. You're strolling in the park, enjoying the sun on your skin. You're having a good time. That's what this season. That's what this fixture is for for wolves. I think because Fulham haven't been good at all. At all, Fulham have been terrible. Scott Parker, nice guy, good professional when he played. Did so well to get them promoted back to the EPL to the Premier League, which I think that's where they belong, really. But the start of this season has been nothing short of atrocious. It has been absolutely, absolutely bonkers, absolutely atrocious. So mm, I think they will, they will, they will bag one. They will bag one this, this, um, in this fixture because who? Do they have that can cope with Traore or Jimenez? So who do they have that can cope with Ruben Neves in the midfield? So and uh, the the Wolves coach is phenomenal, tactically astute, and I feel he should be in a top six side. With due respect to Wolves, he should be. I think they're a top six side anyways, but he should be rather in a top four side. But it's, it's a wonderful coach. His players are good. And coupled with the way uh, Fulham has started this season, I'm thinking they're going to they're going to pack one. They're going to pack one. They're going to have they're going to cause it four goals and may manage to get a goal back. You know, so that's it. It's going four one two Wolves. Now Everton, Brighton, Brighton hasn't had such a great season. For me, the highlight of their season so far is Tarek Lamptey. Little live wire signed from Chelsea. I don't know if there's a buyback clause. If there's no buyback clause, someone in Chelsea should be sacked. Really, 
if there's no buyback clause, someone at Chelsea should be sacked because he's a phenomenal player and he's shown it. He's still very, very young, but he's shown it that he's huge. He can be a huge talent, a huge player in the game. Five, six years from now, he'll probably be one of the best right backs, best right wing backs in the world because he's phenomenal. Good, quick feet, and he has this tenacity that he wants to to win games. He wants to go in there, he wants to get stuck in, wants to put on the press. He has energy, you know, so he has the work rate, the work ethic. And when you combine work ethic and skill, that's phenomenal. That's just greatness. So I predict great things for this um, guy's future, Tariq Lamptey. But that aside, that's as well as it goes for Brighton. That's as well as it goes for Brighton. And I feel ever and coupled with the, with the way Everton have started this season, hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo-hoo, it's going to be a smashing. So I think Everton would win three goals to nil. And they're playing at Goodison Park. So I know there are no fans. So you say no fans. But when you're home, you're home. That's it. So I'm going for a 3 new win by Everton. And the last game, like I said, if you, I'm not, I think I've not been calling out the fixtures based on how they would play apart from the Chelsea game, which is the first game for the this uh, weekend. Every other game could come anytime. So within the, within the week, within the weekend, I haven't given a chronological order or how they would be appearing. So the last on my list I have right here, you see my eyes starting over here. I have a list right here because I didn't have them all in my head. Now, so Leeds United versus Man City. It's a good game for Leeds United to be hosting. That's a lovely game. And you have a love affair, I'd say, between Marcelo Biesla and Pep Guardiola. Now, Guardiola has always sung the praises of Marcelo Biesla, he said, Marcelo Biesla is the coach, he's coach, he's the coach of coaches, he's tactically astute, he hasn't seen any coach as, um, as detailed as Marcelo Biesla. And that's true, because he's, he's taken leads after how many, have, after so many years um, in the championship, he led them to promotion and they play attacking football, you know. But what happens when you play attacking football, entertaining football, High pressing football against the really top sides. It's a wonderful spectacle. You create a wonderful spectacle for the viewers like myself and like those who are watching this, who are listening, who will listen on the podcast. You know, you create something exciting for them to watch. But what happens is you you end up losing, you know. It could be a phenomenal game, high scoring, and people are like, yeah, 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 wonderful game. I loved it. A game for the ages, but you end up losing. So, um, Man City have the better players. They have the better players. I would say Man City would win five goals to three because I know I'm predicting Liverpool, I mean Leeds United to put in a great shift, tough shift, make it difficult for Manchester City and score a couple of goals and giving them three goals that are going to score three goals but at the end of the day Manchester City's quality would 
shine through and they'll end up winning five goes to three so that's my prediction for the fixtures for this epl weekend and let me know send me an email and let me know if you've enjoyed Ugo stick football show and things you want to hear on the sh- on the show and not just the Ugo football show uh, alone but things you want to hear on the podcast generally just let me know what you think so thank you all for uh, watching and listening on the podcast like i said you can follow this podcast on spotify you could also follow my instagram page it's at ugo steak that's u-g-o-s underscore t-a-k-e on instagram you can send me an email to ugo steak at coolsite.net it's u-g-o-s hyphen t-a-k-e at c-o-o-l-s-i-t-e dot n-e-t at coolsite.net so Thank you for watch. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you for following. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Stakeugo. That's at S-T-A-K-E-U-G-O. All one word. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for watching. And bye-bye.